Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Rabbi. This week's Torah portion, Achremot, describes in detail the Yom Kippur ritual of the scapegoat. On the Day of Atonement, two goats of similar size and appearance were brought before the high priest. Lots were drawn, one inscribed with the word Ladonai, for God, and the other with the word Lazazel. No one really knows what Azazel meant. Rashi thought it was a steep, rocky place, somewhere outside the community where no one lived. The Ladonai goat, the one for God, was sacrificed, while the Lazazel goat was banished to the wilderness, to the steep, rocky place beyond society. Before sending the goat off, the high priest laid his hands upon it and confessed the sins of the nation. The goat, now symbolically bearing the entire sins of the entire community, was then driven into the wilderness. When William Tyndale wrote the first English translation of the Hebrew Bible in the 16th century, he was as baffled as to what Azazel meant as the Jewish commentators. And so he translated Lazazel as the scapegoat. Tyndale's translation reads, And Aaron cast lots over the goat, one for the Lord and one for a scapegoat. He meant the goat that escaped death, the escaped goat. This, then, is the origin of the English word scapegoat, which eventually came to mean placing your own flaws, your own sins, your own transgressions wrongly, unfairly, on another. For centuries, every Yom Kippur, the ritual of the two goats was performed in the land of Israel. It symbolized the never-ending effort to cleanse the community of sin by casting evil out of the community, removing it from the congregation's midst. The removal of sin is urgent because like a biological pathogen, moral viruses are highly contagious. And sooner or later, if not removed, will infect the entire community causing a pandemic of severe moral disease. I can't breathe is not only a physiological symptom of illness. Please, Mr. Officer, I can't breathe is also a symptom of moral disease. While the ancient ritual of two goats is no longer observed, the purpose for the ritual, the need to account for and remove wrongdoing, remains. It's what Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are still about. Other rituals take the place of the ancient rituals, but the intention is the same, to purify ourselves and our community by casting out sin, 
from the congregation. I followed the Derek Chauvin trial closely. It is gratifying to me that justice was served and that Chauvin was sent to Azazel, banished from our sight to a place of punishment and penitence. It's not full justice. Full justice is for God. On earth, there is only partial justice, human justice. Nothing can return George Floyd to life. Nothing can restore what was brutally and cruelly taken. The pursuit of earthly justice is complicated and flawed, performed by complicated and flawed human beings. Part of me wonders if there was no videotape, if there were no witnesses, if this was a murder in a dark place, not out in the open light of day, would the outcome have been the same? Remember the initial statement of the Minneapolis police that George Floyd died as a result of a medical incident during police interaction. That was the police playbook, their initial instinctive approach. In watching much of the trial, to me, the evidence was overwhelming and thus the outcome entirely predictable. Assuming fair-minded jurors for me, there was only one obvious verdict. I was confident that Derek Chauvin would be convicted on all three counts. But to observe the response of the African-American community is to appreciate how differently some of us view the justice system. While it is true that every human being is flawed, that prosecutors, defense attorneys, judges, and jurors make mistakes and have their own biases. Still, by and large, my view of the justice system is positive. I trust American justice. But much of the African-American community doubted the verdict until the very end. It took many by surprise. Some were shocked. It was almost as if the community heaved a deep communal sigh of relief and disbelief. The Chauvin trial demonstrated again how differently Americans view American justice. Every one of us sees the world from the inside out. We start with our own personal proclivities and historical experiences, and these affect the way we view everything else. Politics, religion, education, law, justice. For this reason, we must learn to listen to each other, to hear their pain, and to understand their struggles, even if they are not ours. African-Americans view courts and juries through the lens of centuries 
of structural prejudice, creating in many a presumption of mistrust. And so what the Chauvin trial revealed most of all is the urgency to attending to the deeper issues, systemic bias that creates unequal access to wealth and educational opportunity, and that lead to poverty, crime, and overzealous and biased policing. Not by all police. I assume that most police officers are good people. They want to serve and protect. But enough of them abuse their power so as to tilt the perspectives of much of the African-American community. This is what must be reformed through legislation, training, and policies. I feel no joy in the Chauvin verdict. It wasn't a cause for celebration for me. I feel sad that a man's life was taken unjustly and can never be restored. And I am sobered, sobered by the long and rocky road that still awaits our country in its ongoing struggle to remove evil from our midst. We've come a long way. We've made significant progress, even since the middle of the 20th century. It is not a contradiction to say that we've come a long way and there's still a long way to go. Both are true. It is not a contradiction to emphasize America's soaring humanitarian ideals and accomplishments while at the same time pointing out our failures to fully live up to these ideals. Both are true. It's not a contradiction to compare our country favorably to most of the countries of the world, and at the same time to point out the festering injustices that still stain our villages, towns, and cities. Both are true. The most important result of the searing brutality inflicted on George Floyd, who was tortured to death in the light of day, aided and abetted by three additional Minneapolis police officers who stood idly by. The most important result is that it encourages a continuing national reckoning and a renewed appreciation. There is still so much more work to do. It may seem that every time we look in the distance, we see at the edge of our sight the oasis of liberty, justice, and equality for all that keeps vanishing whenever we think we're getting closer. But we are getting closer. Social progress takes years, decades, centuries, 
History teaches that progress is gradual. Gradualness is history's method. Social advances are fitful and uneven, filled with setbacks, disappointments, and frustrations. Frustration often leads to excess, extreme approaches to overcome slow progress. I and you are well aware of the excesses of both sides of our political divide, whose advocates and thought leaders propose extreme approaches. Those who look for scapegoats, who refuse to accept any responsibility at all, and seek to place all responsibility on others, who refuse to listen to the other side, and moralize, reject, and cancel anyone who disagrees with their absolutism. Thus, it is a difficult and dangerous era. Still, when it comes to race relations, we are a better country than we were on the eve of the civil rights era. It should give us confidence that we can continue to advance. But we must be prepared to put in the work. In the words of Martin Luther King, progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It must be fought for. Frederick Douglass warned, those who are for freedom and yet deprecate struggle are like those who want crops without plowing the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Never did and never will. Our job now the task of all morally sensitive Americans is to continue to push forward one foot after another, step by step, lobbying and voting for laws, policies, and budgets that will secure reform so that we may come ever closer to the earthly justice beyond the horizon. It's not a mirage. That oasis of earthly justice is real. Some oases are real. Stay confident about the capacity of America to reform and reinvent itself. We have demonstrated these capacities time and time again. Progress stalls when people believe that nothing will change, that it doesn't matter, that all is futile. Great historical leaps were driven not only by a perception of wrong, but also by a conviction that things can change. Once people believe that they are the harbinger of a new day, then History ushers in an era of rapid change. We are living in such a period now. Our norms are changing. Progress often takes 
time off to slumber, but inevitably it reawakens. And it is reawakening in our times now. We see it every day. Younger generations are leading the way. And do not relent. They are keeping up the pressure. I love the youth of this country. While they too, of course, are prone to excess, fundamentally, their values are sound and their hearts are right. For the life of them, they cannot understand or accept discrimination in any form. They're much better than we were when we were their age. They sincerely believe in equality, diversity, and mutual respect. And even their excesses come from a good place. We still have a long way to go and much hard work. Remember, acts of kindness are easy. Justice is much harder. Kindness is less demanding. Justice is a taskmaster. But also remember, the sense of justice is innate in every human being. Conscience gives us no rest. It often misleads, but it does lead. We will never cleanse the human being of all sin, but we can and will make progress. It requires each of us to reflect on and confess not only the personal sins, but the sins of the nation, with no allowance for scapegoating fellow Americans. How can I make a difference? What is my role? Every day of the year, every moment of our lives, we stand at the moral crossroads. One path is Ladonai, for God, and the other, Lazazel, for desolation. I hope that this week we have taken one more small step, Ladonai, for God. Amen.